Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Well, hey, young adults, welcome back to the Young and Adulting Podcast. My name is Alec, and this season we are talking about this idea, what I wish I knew when I was in my 20s. And today we are joined by some incredible guests. But before we get there, there's always this saying, is that you can either learn from your mistakes or you can learn from your mentor's mistakes. And today we have two incredible people that have lived life, and they are here to share their experiences and to make sure that we in our 20s can have a better life in our relationship. So welcome to the Young and Adulting Podcast, Greg and Julie Gorman. Come on. We're glad you guys are here. Glad you are joining us. For all of our listeners, all of our viewers, Greg and Julie are marriage coaches. They're helping marriages all around the world be better in their relationships. They're also incredible authors as well. But guys, we're grateful that you're here and we're excited to learn. But we'd love to know just a little bit about both of you. How did you become marriage coaches? What what does that look like? And what are you guys doing right now? Well, I guess the way we became marriage coaches is that we screwed ours up so bad in the beginning (laughs) that we had to do a lot of uh, prayer and self-development along the way. And as we grew as people, uh, we we found it was affecting our home. And uh, honestly, over time, we've always been very much into self-growth and, of course, uh, trying to become better people, better Christians, you know, and all this stuff. And so uh, over time... Uh, we came to a crossroads, candidly, mm-hmm. of, okay, what do we do now? Um, business was changing, and we were being called in a different direction. And uh, as we looked at the fruit of our life, leadership and marriage and the family were the fruit of our life. And we're mm-hmm. like, hey, let's capitalize on all the things we've learned and implemented in businesses and bring it into the family. That's and amazing. So we just teach from our brokenness. <laughs> wow. And then the healing. Yeah. And then the healing yeah. as well. So you guys were in business before. And then you started to feel the Lord just kind of start to shift this priorities and shift focuses towards marriage. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't quite that simple of a transition, but (laughs) never, never. A little more bumpy than that. Yes, that's what happened. (laughs) Wow. That's really, really cool. Now, um, before we were talking a little bit how really your uh, marriage coaching has taken you guys all over the world. So Mm -hmm. we'd love to know what, what are some of those places you guys have been? What are some of the coolest places you guys have been as well? Take it away, love. So we just got back from Africa. We spent about three weeks over there training and equipping leaders to facilitate what we call the marriage reboot. Um, We have all over the globe. I I think we're now represented in almost every single state. So we have 100 coaches now that are certified to do what it is that we do. We spoke on every continent but one. We'll put it that way. We've literally been everywhere. And that's Antarctica, everywhere. and I Antarctica. don't know that we're going to want to. <laughs> I mean, it's the one. And that's a trip. There's not that many people down there to speak to, I don't think. I don't think that I'm just saying. But I think that's about it. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, guys, we'd, we'd love to see. You mentioned off the top of the podcast that you're, you're helping marriages because your marriage was was broken. It was mm-hmm. it was needing healing. Um, we'd love to know just a little bit more about that, like what you guys went through and, and how did that healing process start to happen, especially as young adults? Um, I don't think we embrace healing or, or embrace, embrace forgiveness. Uh, we typically try to run away from those things because it hurts, because it's painful. Um, but I think you guys can testify 
Yeah. That's not the truth. Um, that when you run to it, it actually, the healing process accelerates. And we'd just love to know a little bit about how you guys kind of found that process and um, how you guys started even going through the process yeah. of healing. So, you know, I, I grew up in a family where every abuse was present. So okay. physical, emotional, sexual abuse. Uh, certainly had a lot of paradigms about men. It kind of vacillated between thinking every man was going to be my knight in shining armor to uh, really thinking every man was a pervert. Mm. <laughs> and so it's those two extremes. Yeah. Greg had an uphill battle to have to enter into that world. But I, but what I could say about forgiveness, um, forgiveness to me, you know, because you, you think about a kid who experiences that kind of trauma and it would be really easy to lean into a victim mentality, um, be identified by the pain. And I never wanted that. Uh, I wanted mm. to be known for being strong. So a lot of what I did in my life is I just pretended none of it ever happened mm. and I stuffed mm. it down. Mm -hmm. uh, God took me through a lot of process, though, when I, I eventually began to look and realize that you can't stuff it down. Yeah. Uh, because it's kind of like a beach ball. You stuff it down. And, you know, for some people, a beach ball, you, you stuff it down and it erupts up and that's anger. Mm. For me, I think as I was stuffing things down, my my expression would have been insecurities, mm. fear, uh, not feeling like I measured up and always trying to earn people's approval. And so I, I hadn't dealt with the actual issues that were causing mm. those issues. Yeah. And so it was it was really an interesting journey because I think for anybody, forgiveness doesn't just happen. Yeah. Like it starts with a choice. It begins with the acknowledgement that you have something that you have to let go of. Um, but for me, it was that choice. And I remember there was a time really specific that God gave a, an extra layer of what I would say healing in that forgiveness journey. And I looked at Greg and I remember it was about three months before my dad passed away. Mm. And I had been estranged from my dad. It, I hadn't seen him for probably 10 years or so. And in that process, though, I had worked through, I had let go of the hurt, the bitterness, the pain of it. And I remember telling Greg, it was like, you know, babe, I guess someday I'll know whether I've, you know, really forgiven him or not, or I've deceived myself, but I feel like I've forgiven him. Well, three months later, literally on Christmas Day, my dad passed away. Mm. And when I went back to um, Indiana, where uh, the funeral was, I remember looking in at my dad's face, which was pretty estranged. He looked more like my uncle. You know, he didn't look like how I'd remembered my dad. But what was interesting is as I looked in, it was so powerful because God immediately gave me a picture of my son's face, who was about seven years of age at that time. So just that snapshot, just a second glimpse in my mind eye that I saw Joshua's face. Mm. And as only the Holy Spirit could do, there was this complete download that what I understood about my dad was that at one point he was a little boy, just mm. like my son. Wow. And somewhere brokenness had gotten spilled out on him. And that brokenness, because he didn't deal with it, got spilled out on me. Wow. And so it was that last layer of maybe the question that remained of, did my dad love me? Why wasn't I? Why did he do those things? What was wrong with me? Why, why couldn't he ever express love to realize, wow, he was just a human being who had a lot of brokenness in his life. Wow. And so in that moment, I expressed, I said, I forgive you, daddy. And it, what was so cool, Alec, is, is at that point when I said those words, um, there was a whole other layer of freedom that came with that. Mm. Because I remember the times that my dad threw the ball in the backyard. 
I remember the times that he defended me to my mean first grade teacher, you know, and I just remember different glimpses that I had forgotten. That you forgotten. Wow. And so I think that for us as Christians walking in that state of forgiveness, we have to base our relationship with a human being like God bases his relationship with us. Yeah. It's love, acceptance, and forgiveness. It doesn't condone what they did. Right. But yep. we're freed when we release them from uh, and just understand they're in process. Wow. They're made in the image of God. And unfortunately, when uh, broken people are broken, they do broken things. Yeah. Wow. Well, Julie, thank you so much for, for sharing. That was really long. That, that thank was, you for letting me share my no, story. That was, that was that was fantastic. Um, and I, I think that I'm still kind of like wrestling with that word, like that picture for a second that when you look at somebody, really, there's like, you don't know the trauma that they've gone through. You don't know if they had someone that would walk them through their brokenness or mm-hmm. like what the um, what the past brokenness in their family was. Like they might not even know it was something wrong with them. It just was passed down to them. So I think just um, that picture that you gave our listeners, I think it even just helps our framework of how we see people. Because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy for us just to see their, their issue or their problem or their brokenness and we label them as that. Mm-hmm. But taking that step back and going, well, actually, no, like number one, child of God. Yeah. Number two, probably had a rough, a rough go. And they haven't had someone that has spoke life. Spoken life over mm-hmm. them. Or and they haven't seen an example of Jesus. Yeah. Probably in their life as well. So um, no, Julie, that that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And Greg, we'd love to hear just a little bit about your your story as well, sir. Yeah, I don't know how I would top that, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, I've heard that story a thousand times if I've heard it once and it still grips me. Yeah. <laughs> so I always have to kind of gather myself after I hear Julie speak about it. Had a front row seat to her forgiveness process, you know, uh, and it was beautiful. You know, I think for me, um, I'm I'm wired maybe a little bit differently in that I, 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 I thought about this a lot. In fact, we had a great conversation about it on the way over to the studio. I don't, th- I don't think that I have generally struggled with unforgiveness. Okay. Um, I think that I've been a hothead in, in my younger days. Um, and if something happened, I would immediately react, mm-hmm. um, usually poorly. Um, but somewhere along the line uh, in my journey, I began to do kind of self-examination. And I, I, I kind of asked myself, I suppose, do I admire people that act the way that I act hmm. or do the things that I do? And <clears throat> I didn't. Yeah. And I think it's a great question. It still serves me today. Um, as I constantly am in self-examination, I think that life is is not so much about even the things that people do to us or things right. that happen to us. It's fact, it's not about me. My life is not about me. Um, my life is about me becoming better. Yeah. Um, it's how I can affect other people, you know? And so... Um, as I grew, I think I began to realize that I have a choice in how I respond. It used to tick me off, you know, when people would say, well, 
they didn't make you angry. You chose to be angry. And I was just like, that's like a total egg scramble. Yeah. Like, I don't, <laughs> what do you mean? They made me angry. Like, they didn't just make me angry. They made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And when I realized that I actually do have a choice, then it helped, helped me to be able to process things in, in, in a more healthy manner. I think, Greg, just like your story as well, I think it just speaks to, um, to you guys as a couple, number one, of just how you know, we are coaching people through, um, which I, I think both of your stories are, are really showing um, that. So, no, Greg, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And um, as we are talking about this topic, what I wish I knew, you know, when I was 20, um, what would you guys say, like what age, if you can remember, that you started this healing journey process? Uh, yeah, I was probably in my, I would say, mid-20s. Okay. Uh, it was that place where I realized I didn't want to stay the same. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I carried so much hurt, so much pain. Um, and so it because I hadn't dealt, you know, going back to that that part where I just had pretended it didn't happen, what I didn't realize is how strongly it was affecting every decision mm -hmm. that I made. And so I think that when you come to a place of forgiveness and, and you're looking at your life of like unresolved issues, Part of it is the acknowledgement of not just stuffing it away, yeah, not erupting, you know, or becoming a victim and just claiming that as the identity, but the real reality of, okay, this is where I'm at. Yep. Do I like where I'm at? And if you don't like where you're at, it's like, well, then it's probably time for change. Because if you want something different, yeah. you got to do something different. And so in our 20s, we were, uh, it's probably late 20s, we were fighting every single day. Things were erupting. Um and finally, I just, I got to the place where I was like, okay, God, change me, change him, do whatever it takes, but heal our marriage. And mm -hmm. so I think that was the catalyst for my growth is yeah. that I realized I had went through one divorce. I didn't want to go through another one. And so the common denominator was actually me between the two relationships. And I was like, okay, I can't change Greg. So I'm going to have to change me. And when you can't change the way you feel, mm. I learned you have to change the way you think. Wow. And so all those feelings that I was given heightened to of why doesn't he do this? And I was trying to make him fit in this box. I realized actually was probably stemming from a lot of insecurity from my past. Hmm. And so I took those things and I think one of the strongest things that anybody can do in their uh, process to healing is ask that question. Do I like where I'm at? If you don't, then it's time for change. And when you can't change how you feel, you got to change the way you think. And the only way that I've learned how to change how I think is to take those things truly it's not like as a Christian, we're told you have to pray, you have to read your Bible. But for me, it was like, no, I need to pray. Yeah. I need to read my Bible because I needed to have my mind transformed yeah. by the washing <laughs> of the Romans word. that Romans 12 too, like That's need my, my mind renewed on a daily basis. Yeah, That's it. And so I made it a daily practice to say this simple prayer. And this would be my nugget of wisdom if I ever had any. It was, God, who do you say I am? Who do you say my offender is? Hmm. And what do you have to say about our circumstance right here wow. of the offense that was given? And never once, and I'll just use Greg as an example because we're well past it, but like, I'm really mad at him. Like, let's just say we had this knockout, drag out kind of fight and I'm going to God and I'm telling him all the ways he needs to change. Well, if I take the attitude of God, who do you say I am? Well, he starts speaking words of love, kindness. And when I bring him up thinking God's going to, you know, you know, get on my bandwagon, never yeah. once does he say, yeah, boy, he sure is a jerk. I made a mistake when I made that one. He doesn't do that. Yeah. Love and kindness over right. Greg as well. That yeah. same love, acceptance and forgiveness. Um, and all of a sudden then, and if I say, okay, well, what about this circumstances? Usually when I've taken offense that Greg has done to me, 
to God, thinking God's going to have my back on all of it. Well, he has it, my back on all of it, but in a way that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. Because he starts to show me my part. And I remember there was one time I was so bad and I was getting really angry because I felt like I had to do all the housework. And rather than God saying, yeah, I wish Greg would do the dishes, I told him a hundred times, but he's just not listening. He said, Julie, when you do your acts of love as unto me, you'll find joy in your walk again. Mm. And so it's that posture that God has permission to say things to me that Greg doesn't. Yeah. And when I get in that posture and I really listen, he's going to give me the instructions to move forward in a place that I can have love, even when I have to wash all the dishes. Yeah. No. <laughs> By the way, Greg helps. He does. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Julie, I think that's, that's great. And I think as we're um, even talking about healing and forgiveness um, for all of our 18, 25 year olds, such a young age, um, I think that prayer is powerful. I think that prayer is necessary. And I just want to, I want to make sure I got it right. God, who do you say I am? Yep. Number one, who do you say my accuser is? Or no, offender. Or offender. Right. Yep. Number two, and then what can I change? Or what, what was the situation? Well, and God, what do you have to say about our circumstances? Yeah. And here's what's cool. And we, we share this a lot in our teaching calls and things is that um, you have an accuser. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Yeah, the devil. Right. Yeah. So when we align our life or align our thinking with the thoughts that he's whispering in accusation, condemnation, hmm. then who are we partnering with? Wow. It's just that black and white. We're either partnering with God and who he says his yeah. design is, or we're partnering with the devil. And I don't want to partner with the devil. Yeah. Well, I think that's really, that's great because Jesus is our advocate. That's it. Right. And our the devil is our accuser. That's it. And if we're partnering with the accused. Then we're partnering we're with part something we don't want to partner with. Yes. But if we're partnering with our advocate, we're yeah. partnering with heaven. Yeah. We want the best for this other person. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. Well, Julie, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, Greg, we'd love to know for you, what what was some baby steps that maybe you took in your healing and forgiveness journey as well? You know, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is curiosity. It, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about just a few minutes earlier. Um, sometimes when I see people or if I feel offended by people, um, I've, I've learned to just to just ask, hmm, I wonder what their story is. Hmm. Just, just, just that one question alone hmm. causes me to take a completely different posture and to see them as a human being rather than my offender, so to speak. Um, and that served me, you know, it started serving me really, I wouldn't say I got it quite as early as Julie did in my 20s, but maybe in my mid-30s, the lights sort of became turned on. They were dim, but they were on. They were on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the other thing, too, that I learned is just, again, by self-observation and um, at this stage with working with so many couples, sometimes we get so caught up in justification. Um, we want to be justified and we want to articulate our justification for why we have the right to be offended or to feel the way that we feel. And uh, for me, again, being someone that used to struggle with a really hot temper, um, I would build myself up into a frothy mess. And so I think we have to understand the power of our thoughts. We become mm. what we think about. All thought leaders throughout time have agreed on that. King Solomon says, we think in our hearts, so we become. And so uh, we also find what we're looking for. So if we continue to look for justification and find justification, mm. then we continue to build really a fence around ourselves, yeah. you know, uh, that doesn't serve us or anybody else. In fact, the other thing is, is that I've learned throughout my life, but a lot of time, if I am holding a grudge or some bitterness, a lot of the people that may have offended me, they don't even know they've offended me. Yeah. So who is it hurting? 
Who is my unforgiveness or my harboring of these things or my coddling of these things? My fighting for my justification in these things. Who is that hurting? Who is it serving? Nobody. Nobody at all. And so, again, like I said, I, I, I take a little bit, I think, kind of a different approach. Um, um, and, that, and that just helps me to find freedom. It, yeah. it helps me to find freedom and to not be a victim because, again, I, I do not want to be a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's great. It's kind of funny um, when you said so. My sometimes when you say words, I have like little word pictures in my head mm. and like offense, right? Like I got like I'm offended. But then I also got this picture like of a literal offense, yeah, like around me that and yeah. it blocks me from everybody else. That when I'm holding on to offense, I'm actually putting a, a barrier, offense yeah. in my way <laughs> For between sure. me and and the other person. I just keep building up yeah. this barrier that um, eventually has to be has to be torn down. And it spills into other relationships too. Again, that's where Julie was talking about kind of processing and dealing with this stuff. And processing and dealing with stuff doesn't mean that we obsess over it and that we continue to, again, coddle it. I think processing it is kind of thinking through uh, and again, asking questions like Julie talked about. Well, who, do you, who do you say I am, Lord? Who do you say my offender is? What do you say about the situation? But then it's also kind of, again, getting curious about the other person and seeing them for who they are and their yeah. brokenness and things of that nature. And so anyway, I don't want to run off on a rabbit trail. But. No, that's that's <laughs> great. And guys, love for you both to answer this this one as well. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around forgiveness. It's like the forgive and forget mm. or like there's all these, sometimes there's stipulations that come with forgiveness, right? That we might put on someone, well, I've forgiven you. Why aren't you, why aren't yeah. you normal? Why, why, why are we still weird? Like, can you guys kind of talk through what can we can we break down some of those walls of, of forgiveness and really just make it clear for people? Because I, I think some people have different um, different views on forgiveness. They have different expectations on forgiveness. And we'd love for you guys to kind of tear down like those those barriers. And really, what what is forgiveness? I think it's important to uh, do, again, self-examination because for me when i look at myself i have needed a lot of grace in my life and mm. when i'm honest about how much grace i've needed in my life then it, it it certainly makes it a lot easier for me to extend it when i think about what christ has forgiven me what other people have forgiven mm. me um, you know, we tend to judge ourselves based off of our intentions or our motives, but we tend to judge other people based off of their results or their outcomes, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's not really a fair judgment, is it? So, so again, when, when, when I, when I look at myself and I, I gauge like just how much grace I have needed, how much forgiveness I've needed, then I think it just helps me to be able to extend it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that. Um, I think really, you know, as Christians. Um, we look at our life and, and the clearest example that we see for wrongdoing was the cross. Uh, Jesus, what, there was no reason for it. Yeah. And yet God accomplished something really great through it. So I think as, as we think about forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't mean that it's okay. Right. It wasn't okay what my dad did. Yeah, It was exactly never right. all right. It wasn't okay um, that there was a perpetuation of that in my family. There were some things my mom could have done. You know, all those things, I can feed that. Yeah. Or I can say, God, that really stunk. Mm -hmm. That should have never happened. What's your heart about this? Um, if I hold on to those things and I and I pour over them, 
if you find what you're looking for, if you gravitate towards what you contemplate, if what you feed grows and what you starve dies, I want to make sure that my part in it, when God says, get rid of all bitterness, anger, you know, extend forgiveness mm-hmm. and love out of Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, but I want to follow that. Yeah. And my part then isn't to hold on to the offense that they did. My part is to follow what God said to do about that offense, and that is to release it. And sometimes I had to release offenses multiple times, those layers that I talked about. Yeah. But what I found is as I found and chose grace, as I chose to extend forgiveness, and in those moments where it's like, God, I'm saying it with my lips, but my heart's still damaged. Mm-hmm. So I need you to do something about that, but I give this to you. Yeah. What happens is everything that would have been weighted on me, everything that would have been internalized and really ate me alive, <laughs> you know, yeah. tormented my thoughts because I would be feeding all of that fury, all that emotion. And the only thing that happens with that emotion is it's just going to grow. Mm-hmm. But when I, in the opposite way, say, okay, I give all of that emotion and I'm going to operate in love. I'm going to operate in forgiveness. I'm going to entrust this to you, God, and let you do with this what you think needs to be done. Yeah. What happens is God comes in as our provider, our protector, our defender. The word of God becomes life, and all of a sudden we have life versus death. That's really, really great. Yeah, I love that as well. And I think um, I think we all can attest to that. When you give something to God, you you can almost feel like this weight Uh, is lifted off off your shoulders, and that doesn't necessarily mean the relationship with that person is going to be. Like as it was, yeah. right. doesn't that also mean that reconciliation is right. bound to happen? Yeah. But you and God, you and that person, there's there's been something that's been lifted off where you recognize, okay, like I've I've given I've given it away. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think about you know, and God will give that next step, and when we honor that next step, life takes place. Yeah. If I start operating in my own power, then I'm going to get from my own power what my power can produce, and that's I don't so want that. It's that place of you know, Summer and I were talking this morning and. We're talking about the difference in maybe our culture grown up and then the culture that she was uh, brought up in. She talked about, she goes, you know, our age group wants to just cancel culture. It, you know, it's this cancel culture thing of somebody does something, ah, I just write them off and they're out of here now and we never. And, but but there's this place like I, I can look at parts of my life that I should have been canceled out. Mm-hmm. Right. I said stupid stuff. I did stupid stuff. God had every right to cancel me out. Yeah. But instead, what he does is he takes all that brokenness, like we talked about, yep. gives the healing, and then lets it serve as a bridge to cross over from death to life. And unless we walk that, then we miss out on a whole lot. And I think we miss out on a lot of really beautiful relationships because we're not willing to go through the pain mm-hmm. of the healing process for those relationships. Yeah. Well, and I think pain is healing. Yep. Like it has to, you have to. Ugh, it, yeah. Pain, pain, pain is healing. Like if I fall and I get a scab, like it's yep. it's painful. I have to go through it. Yep. Right. Or or what? It's just going to be this open wound that's yeah. going to get infected, and it's it's not going to be good. But right. if you go through the pain, like healing comes. Yep. Skin gets regrafted. You're you're. It's like it never almost right. happened, but right. you have to go. You go have to go it. through the pain. Yeah. Um, well, Julie, that's that's amazing. Thank you, thank you for sharing, um, guys. One one question we have been asking all of our guests in this season. It's a little little off the wall, but I'm excited for it. Um, <laughs> we've been asking everyone, um, what do you wish would come back into style? As we're ending our podcast today, what do you guys wish would come back into style that was definitely was not, so cool? Yeah, not definitely '80s hair. No, I don't no? want those. No, not the big hair. That was horrible. It took forever, like two hours to do your hair as really? a girl. Oh, it was, yeah, it was. Nuts. That's awful. Um, I would say 
Um, I would say, you know, I don't know that I want to bring back any fashion, but if I could bring back roller skating rinks, yeah, that's what I would bring back. Let's do it. Yeah, because it it was clean fun, great oh, yeah. energy. Just man, go. just not a lot of roller skating. Greg, rinks, maybe right? we should buy a roller skating rink. Let's do it. Let's dude. do it, man. Let's I think do it. we can make it go. <laughs> Greg, what about you? What do you wish would, would come back into style? How about three wheelers and bell bottoms? I wear cowboy boots a lot. You okay, know, so, bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the uh, the flare jean is actually coming back. Believe it, yeah. it or not, yeah. It's uh, are the stirrup pants. You know where they like you can put your foot through a little ankle. She didn't ask you what fifteen things you want to put back. Well, in I was thinking the stirrup pants might be really cool too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, keep, your, keep your pants in your boots. I love it. That's awesome. Um, well, Greg and Julie, thank you guys again for just taking some time to unpack forgiveness. Uh, and healing with us. I, I know I've, I've benefited from this conversation and I'm really excited for um, everyone else to, to benefit as well. But um, young adults, it was great joining you for another episode of Young and Adulting. Like I said, in season six, we're talking about this idea, what I wish I knew in my 20s. And I hope today was a beneficial conversation. I hope today um, really brought life to you and that it's going to help you uh, in your forgiveness and in your relationships with other people. But young adults, we love you so much. We will see you uh, next time for another episode of Young and Adulting. Greg and Julie, again, thank you guys so much. We love you guys and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.